welcome all of you to Acts Plus. So this is a Bible study out of Unity Lutheran Church. We are here in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Um, it was in a, a crazy warm 46 degrees today. We tried to go ice skating and couldn't because there was puddles all over the pond. Um, I'm Muriel. I'm one of your pastors. And however you're joining us for this study on the podcast, on Facebook, on the website, live after the fact, we're so pumped that you're part of this. It's a great chance to learn together. Um, this study, Acts Plus, is a seven-week study. And hey, everyone. Hi, Vivian. Um, it's a seven-week study, and it's based on one of the trimesters that we have our seventh and eighth grade confirmation students learn. Um, they do one year. That's all Bible material. So they have an Old Testament trimester, a New Testament trimester, and then this one. Um, and so this week we're learning about, in the next couple of weeks, we're learning about the book of Acts. And there are two reasons, friends, that I am super excited for tonight. The first reason is a personal reason. The second reason is a Bible reason. I guess they're both personal. But so the first reason is that many of you have heard my entire house has had COVID for the past week. And so just the chance to see all of you beautiful people, to see your names popping up on the Facebook screen, like just to interact with other human beings. I am delighted. I'm over the moon. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Chris. Glad that you're here. So that's one reason. Reason number two is that I somehow made it all the way through my master's program in seminary without studying the book of Acts. I don't know how that happened. We had, um, I think we had a full two years on Old Testament. We did a ton of work on the gospels. We did a lot of work on the epistles, all the letters of Paul, but somehow Acts got left out. So there are parts of the book of Acts that I haven't even read. And there, let me tell you, there's some crazy stuff that happens in the book of Acts. We often don't hear from it um, in church either because our schedule focuses so much on the Gospels and each week it pairs the Gospel with one of the letters. So the book of Acts gets left out a lot, um, but it shouldn't. It's so important. So this is one of the reasons I wanted to teach this study so that I could learn too. And I'm glad that you're here. Hi, Patty. Um, so let's learn together, shall we? So let's start by thinking. Think of a story um, that has to do with wind or fire. Wind or fire. Tell us something about wind or fire if you're up for it, if you're watching on Facebook. Wind or fire. Here's the first wind story I thought of. I don't have a fire story, but wind. Um, growing up, many of you know I grew up in the San Juan Islands, and you take a ferry boat to get from island to island, and it's often very windy on the ferry boat. And now the ferry boat has um, a, a two levels for cars, and then a level where you can be inside at tables. Um, and then around that that upper level, there's, there's a deck that wraps all the way around. So you can actually go outside um, all the way around the boat. Really fun to go out there. Beautiful, of course. And one day we were crossing from island to island, and it was so windy and the boat was going directly into the wind that we realized if you were walking down this side of the deck, you were walking right into the wind. You had to like push forward to go. But the second you turned the corner, the wind was suddenly at your back and would zoom you along. So we spent a long time, like the whole crossing, going in circles where you would push as hard as you can, turn the corner, and then boom, just go flying down the deck. It was super fun. So yes, tell us if you have 
a story of wind or fire. It's a great way to lead us into the Pentecost story, which is um, the, probably one of the best known from the book of Acts and what we're going to be focusing on tonight. So share your wind and fire stories. We'd love to hear them. Um, and then the other thing that we always talk about when we talk about the story of Pentecost is language. It's a story about language. If you've been following along, our homework was to read both the Pentecost story in Acts 2 and also the Tower of Babel story from Genesis. So language, um, if you're up for it, tell us. Tell us, um, are you studying any languages? Do you know any other languages? Have you studied another language? Um, what was that like for you? When we talk with our confirmation kids, a lot of them are learning language, learning Spanish. Most of them, um, some other languages as well. We had one student who was studying Korean. And um, if you have studied a language, you know that can be a very frustrating experience, right? It's hard. Um, have you ever had the experience of trying to communicate with someone in a different language? Someone who didn't speak your first language, like maybe a grandparent uh, or a foreign exchange student or for any of us who have been to El Salvador. Um, and that's the last question we ask students. Have they had a time where they were the ones who didn't speak the language and everyone else did? And what is that like? And just a very different way of seeing the world. Oh, Melanie's studying Spanish on Duolingo. She's on day 717. Way to go, Mel. You are going to be like totally fluent the next time you head down to El Salvador. Uh, I just thinking about my time in El Salvador, um, it has really motivated me to work on my Spanish too, like Melanie's saying, because um, it is really hard when you speak a different language. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed is how how meaningful it is when we do church together in El Salvador, the parts that seem to transcend language. Um, I don't want to romanticize it. it. It's really frustrating when you when you really want to go deep with someone and you just can't because of your language. But there is beautiful moments like when you can tell that they're saying the Lord's Prayer. And even though you don't know exactly the words, you can totally say it with them in a different language, your own language, but you feel that you are praying this prayer together. And it's just a really cool feeling of unity to know that that prayer is transcending language. All right. Keep those thoughts coming. Hi, Therese. Awesome. Oh, Mary studied German. Difficult. Yes, it is difficult. Um, I think most of you know in seminary we do study Greek and Hebrew, but the, the third language that many pastors will study, I think Pastor John did, I never did, is just German. Because a lot of... Um, a lot of theological books are written in German. Hi, Marge. Glad you're here. Hey, Angie. So let's talk um, about Acts and where it fits into the New Testament. So the New Testament falls into two nearly equal sections. And um, actually, if you have a Bible nearby, take out and look. So here's my Bible whole thing. Um, Hebrew Bible, New Testament. Let's see. I think I marked it earlier. Okay. So here to here, this is the New Testament. So first of all, notice how much smaller that is than the Old Testament. Old Testament, New Testament. So relatively small portion of the Bible, right? 
And then if you look in the New Testament section, half of it, about half of it is Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and about half of it is Epistles. So here is the end of John. So these are Gospels and these are Epistles and the book of Acts is like the bridge in between. Let's see how many chapters Acts has. I don't remember offhand. Chapter 27, chapter 28. Okay, so here's the Gospels, here's the Epistles, and Acts, it's in the middle. It's like the bridge. The Gospels go over the life of Christ, um, the basic story, and then the second half of the New Testament talks about the story of the early church after Jesus dies, and especially it's all of these letters um, that detail the travelers of a man named Paul, and we're going to go into Paul next week. So, the book of Acts is how we get from Jesus to Rome. It's the connector piece, Acts of the Apostles. It is the story of the apostles and witnesses, what happened to them after Jesus' resurrection. It is written by the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke. It's like a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. A couple things we know about the author. They were a Gentile, so not born a Jew, someone who came to know Jesus and then wanted to practice this tradition with them. We always remind our students, of course, Jesus was Jewish. And in the beginning, um, in the beginning, Christianity was still with part of Judaism, was a branch within Judaism. So the author is someone who got to know Jesus um, and someone who was a companion of Paul. Now, we don't know this for sure, but because whoever wrote Luke and Acts, um, they give a lot of details around um, health conditions, physical afflictions, diseases, healings. That has led many historians to guess that this author was a physician, some kind of medical background. We don't know that for sure, but we know that they were a broad-minded and accurate historian. So the book of Acts is kind of like, um, if you read through it, it's kind of like watching the circle of who counts as the people of God, who's in the movement. You're watching the circle get wider, 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 wider. The book of Acts is a book of expansion. So it, when this story starts, it's just in Palestine, right? Like this movement is just in Palestine and slowly it is spreading, spreading, spreading throughout the whole known world, all the Mediterranean Sea area, all the way to Rome. Now, friends, what mode of transportation do you think people would use to get from Palestine to Rome back in those days? Hi, Judy. Oh, Linda's here, Chris. Hey, everyone. Glad you're here. We are talking about the book of Acts and how it fits into the bigger story of our Bibles. So, um, mostly by boat was how people would travel around that region. Um, I can put a map in the comments later. Um, and so the book of Acts shows two things. It shows the church getting wider, 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 wider. And it also starts to show us um, the first surfacing of struggles and con conflicts in the very, very early church. What are the first things? that those Christians had to grapple with as they tried to figure out how to live in community together because they did struggle, and we'll get to that. But uh, let's just quick go over the timeline of where we are, right? 
So, um, let's see. Oh, I lost my spot. Oh, right. So, the Jesus story goes through his crucifixion. Then we get to Easter. Then, um, 40 days he spends with his disciples after his death ascends into heaven. And then there's a gap before we get to the book of Acts and the book of Acts picks it up. So we're going to compare for just a minute the beginning of the Gospel of Luke and the beginning of the book of Acts. So listen and see what you note. This is the, the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. All right, that's the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. Listen now to the beginning of the book of Acts. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, Jesus said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the time set or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. All right, that's the beginning of Luke and the beginning of Acts. What did you notice? Well, they're very explicitly framed as a companion stories, right? Do you notice how that they are, they are both addressed to someone named Theophilus? Theophilus. Now, it's possible that Theophilus was a certain believer or a follower, um, but the best guess is that it's meant to be kind of a generic term to address the reader, so us. So these books are written to us. Now, the book of Acts, um, after summarizing, re-summarizing Jesus' story for us, then starts to talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the book of Acts is totally into the Holy Spirit. And it's mentioned more times in this book than any other. It is mentioned 57 times, something that the confirmation students need to know for their end of trimester test. So, Holy Spirit quick review of the Trinity. And if you're watching on Facebook and able to comment, I'm really curious if the Trinity is an important part of your theology. Um, not at all important. What does the Trinity mean to you? Does it not mean anything to you? It's always really interesting to hear what students have to say about this. 
And when we talk about the Trinity, we're talking about the idea that as Christians, the God we worship is both three beings and one being. So the three are God, the creator, or sometimes we call the father, the parent, Jesus, the child, the savior, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, who is the sustainer, the strengthener. So the Holy Spirit is basically like the vehicle through which God is with us now, right? God's the creator, so big and distant. Jesus was here and was this incredible, understandable, relatable, human, concrete example of what God's love looks like in action. The Holy Spirit is the force through which God is still present among us now. All right. So everyone knows the word ascension, right? That's the term for when Jesus is zooped back up into heaven. But says, but, I'm leaving, but you will still have, soon you will have my Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, and it's going to be with you. And it's going to give you the power to spread the good news. And did you watch, did you hear the circles getting wider, wider, wider? Right? So here in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and then to all the ends of the earth, wider, wider, wider. Okay, so that's where we're going to be launching in tonight. Hi, Cindy. Ah, Mary says the Trinity is vitally important to her. Anyone else, feel free to weigh in on whether the Trinity is um, vitally important to you, means so much to you, means nothing to you. I have to say we have kind of a full spectrum um, just uh, just among the pastors. Like I think it's fair to say um, the Trinity is not at all important in Pastor John's personal theology. To him, it was like theologians a long time ago kind of tying themselves up into knots trying to flush out technicalities that really are best just worshipped as mystery. Um, I went to um, a seminary that was very big into Trinitarian theology and thought that the Trinity is really what makes us as Christians unique from any other religion, and so we should claim that and embrace that um, whole spectrum. I think there's room in the Christian tent for a lot of a lot of feelings on the Trinity. Um, but let's think about uh, this story now. We're going to go into specifically getting into Acts chapter 2, the arrival of the third member of the Trinity. So try and place yourself in the shoes of those first disciples, right? Wow, Jesus is really gone. They're kind of isolated. Um, they're in some upper room in Jerusalem. They know they're, they're supposed to stay there and wait. They're praying. They're afraid. They're feeling Jesus' absence. They know something's coming, but they don't know when. I am so resonating this during our COVID isolation time. Um, while they're waiting, they replace the missing disciple because they've lost one at this point. Who remembers which disciple uh, would be no longer with them at this point? That would be Judas. So they need to replace Judas. So they, they narrow it down to two people who have kind of been there the whole time. And then they actually, um, they like toss dice for it. They cast lots. So they're like, well, I'll just pick it randomly. And Matthias um, becomes then the new 12th disciple. So they're there. They're hanging out. They're wondering what's going to happen next. And suddenly we're coming up on another Jewish festival. It is 50 days after Passover. 
And um, in Jewish tradition, this is when the harvest festival comes, the festival of the first fruits, which is called, who knows, Pentecost. It's Pentecost. So Pentecost was a festival in which pilgrims would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival as they did for many festivals. And now let's hear from Acts chapter two, verses one through 13. This is the story we hear every year on the festival of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, the followers of Jesus. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting, divided tongues as a fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native languages of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all who are speaking Galileans? Aren't all of those people local? Aren't they all from here? How is it that we each hear each of us in our own native language? In this next part, these are the verses why everybody who knows anything about church tries to avoid being the reader for Pentecost. Here's why this is the worst reading of the year. How is it we all hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, other parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine, which you know confirmation kids love hearing that. Now, that is a lot of different places mentioned. And um, in confirmation, hi Melissa, in confirmation, we actually have our students, we hand out a map and we have them go through and highlight all of those places where they're saying that people are from. So um, I can paste the map, maybe, how can I do that? I can maybe paste the map into our Facebook thread. I can definitely do it afterwards. Um, but what you should know um, is that as they are reading off these different cities, there are two things that are trying that they're trying to do. First of all, there's some poetry written into the words. So if you read it, if you were a native speaker and you read it in its original Greek and you read it m much more smoothly than I can do, there's a rhythm to the words. Um, there's a cadence. Um, there's a not rhyming exactly, um, but, it, but it's very poetic, the list of places. The other thing that they're trying to do is they are trying um, to kind of list generally from east to west. And basically, the basic point is everywhere, right? People from everywhere, people from everywhere. But it is fun to hear a little bit about the places that they're saying. So the Parthians are from Parthia. 
that's east of the Tigris River. The Medes are from Media, which is east of the Caspian Sea. The Elamites are from Elam, also east of the Tigris River, located in Parthia. Mesopotamia, that's the land between the Tigris and the Euphrates River, so modern day this would be Iraq. Judea is where Jerusalem is, along the Mediterranean Sea coast. Cappadocia, chime in by the way if you've been to any of these places. Hey Kristen. Cappadocia is just north of Judea and south of the Black Sea. Pontus, this is between the Black and Mediterranean Seas. When they say Asia, they mean the large area of land in the far north between the Nipper and Volga rivers. Phrygia, this is a country south of Pontus, so also between the Black and Mediterranean Seas. Pamphylia, a small country on the southern tip of Galatia. Egypt, it's kind of at the south end of the map. Libya belonging to Cyrene, so Cyrene is a country just west of Egypt. Rome is in Italy, northern Mediterranean Sea area. The Cretans are from the island of Crete, just located in the Mediterranean Sea. Arabs are from the area of the Arabian Desert, it's the southeast part of your map. And then if you see Jerusalem, you can see that most folks, by the way, probably walked. So this is a long, long way that people have come. My goodness, that's a long way that people have come. So um, this is one of the trademark stories of the Book of Acts. And it is a trademark story for two reasons. The first reason is what we've mentioned a few times in that it is a kind of the entire theology of act in a nutshell which is this message of good news that is the gospel of jesus christ it is for everyone it is global the holy spirit is this force that connects us beyond language beyond cultures beyond countries of origin beyond ethnicities and it's something that unites us um, all together as God's family. It's something that helps us transcend our boundaries and, and connect to one another across all of the different barriers that often keep us apart. And remember, uh, until then, this has been an incredibly small movement, both in numbers of people, very small, and in geographic area, very small. So this is a, whereas much of Acts kind of, the circle's steadily getting wider, this is like, this is way bigger than anyone had ever imagined. Um, the second reason that this story is so iconic um, is because it is it serves as a bracket to um, the very, very beginning of the Bible story. So for any of you who did your homework, um, if you were back and you read the story of the Tower of Babel, the way that that story is told is way back in Genesis. Um, and so Genesis, you know, of course, starts with creation and paradise in the Garden of Eden. And then, and then it's kind of a gradual dispersal, right? First, Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden. Then Cain and Abel create this rift in their families. And eventually we get the splitting off of Hagar and Ishmael, and, and it's just kind of a splintering, 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 and one of the iconic stories in there is Babel, which says um, that people were kind of 
joined together and they wanted to build the biggest tower ever. Which, can't you just see, like, this is what four-year-olds do. Let's build the biggest tower in the world. So they want to build the biggest tower ever. They want to climb all the way up to God. And God decides that's not something we want to let happen. So God mixes up their languages. Before that, according to the story, everyone could understand each other. God mixes up their language. And it, it's like an etymological anim story about how we get all the different peoples and language groups in the world. But, but it's this image of, of scattering. And can you hear how so many things in the Bible always be on the lookout for what's called a chiasm. That's like the A, B, C, B, A pattern. Um, where the ending wraps back around to the beginning. So the brilliant author of Luke Acts uses this story to kind of show the arrival of the Holy Spirit as the, the completion of the narrative arc of the people of God. So friends, that's probably most of what we have time for, for tonight. Um, but I just, um, in this time that we're living in right now, that just feels so unbelievably divisive, right? Um, it, it, it feels like we are less and less able uh, to listen to one another. We are less and less able to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Um, we are less and less able to see the humanity in people who are different than us um, and just less and less able to feel connected in solidarity with one another. Um, many different reasons, political reasons, COVID reasons, it, it feels like a time of great splintering and isolation. And so just as we think about what is our call as Christians as how we live in this time. Um, because there's a great line from one of the Old Testament books, the book of Esther, um, that says, you were born for a time such as this. Well, friends, we were born for this time. And as we think about what that means for us and what it looks like for us to live as Christians, this story of the arrival of the Holy Spirit and how it gave everyone the ability both to speak in a language that others could hear and to hear, to hear, even as others spoke in different languages. I think praying, praying for a new Pentecost, praying for um, a new washing um, from that Holy Spirit, a new arrival of those flames, a new um, bursting forth of that wind through all of us, through our families, through our communities, through our country, um, would just be a very appropriate prayer. And as we pray for that Holy Spirit, may you remember that we actually already have it, right? We actually already have it. And trust that we have that ability both to speak so that others can hear and to hear as others speak to us. So friends, we will wrap up for now. Next week, 
way back at it, we're going to dive into um, especially Paul and then also Peter. So we're going to dive into some of the biggest characters um, that we see in the book of Acts. And all of that is to come um, as you go from this place, friends. May you be blessed. May you be filled with the Holy Spirit. May the fire of God's love burn within you. May the wind of that same ruach, that breath of God, may you feel it blow over you, through you, and from you out into the world. Go in peace, friends, to love and serve our Lord. Good night, everyone.